welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new episode. It seems like I say that every single week, but I welcome you back. Thank you for being a part of this today. Today, we're going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart. And that is actually the heart. <laughs> uh, see what I did there? Yeah, super hilarious. Anyway, so the question today, or the title of this episode is called, What is the Heart? And when we're thinking about the heart, we're always going to be thinking about it biblically. Everything on this show is going to be biblically sound. That's, that is the purpose of this show. So to introduce you to what is the heart, we're going to take a look at the Greek word for the heart in the Bible. And it is mostly translated as cardia, meaning it is the effective center of our being, the inner man or self, capacity of moral preference where all of our morals and emotions flow from so let me pose this question to you what is the condition of your heart now i'm not asking you your physical heart condition your spiritual heart who you are as a whole entire being what is the condition of your heart? It's self-reflection time. How is your inner self? See, sometimes we have an illusion that we are the only person to know what is going on inwardly. And we're going to find out what that means here in just a minute. But it's time to take a heart exam. Let's look at Luke, the fifth chapter in the 31st verse says, and Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician or a doctor, but those who are sick. So are you going to go to a doctor when you think nothing is wrong with you? Probably not. And the question you ask yourself is, am I sick or not? So right now we're going to look at this whole examination aspect of this portion of this episode. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter in the fourth verse. Thessalonians, as you know, is a little bit farther back in the New Testament. It says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, are you ready for this? Who examines our hearts. God is also called in scripture, the great physician. He does not look at us oftentimes as a physical being. He's looking in the spirit. How is our spiritual condition? 
he examines the heart. First Chronicles 28.9 As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. This verse blows me away. Because, listen again. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart. Whole heart. Did you catch that? Your whole entire heart. And a willing mind. You need to be willing to serve him. Not begrudgingly. And then, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. This is why we don't want to read the Bible this is why we don't want to study scripture, because it judges the thoughts and hearts of men. I've been saying this a lot recently, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. That every time I open this book up, two things happen. I'm amazed, and I'm convicted. When you read this book, it is not a book that you pick up and just read it for face value, for academic purposes, for fun. It is a transforming book. And not just transforming of part of yourself, your whole entire self. God cannot be compartmentalized. You can't just pray to him when only things are bad. You can't just show up every other Sunday. Maybe one of those people that show up just for Christmas and Easter. It says as clear as crystal right here. Of what we need to do as people who believe in him. Because at the end of verse 9, it says, If you seek him, he will let you find him him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now, I know we spent quite a bit of time on this scripture, but the one of the biggest takeaways as far as this point we're making right here about time to get our heart examined is that the Lord examines our hearts. I want you to turn with me now to Psalms 4421 Psalm 4421 Would God not find this out for he knows the secrets of the heart the things that we keep secret the things that we hide away in our spiritual closets the things that we store away the things that we're ashamed of that we don't want anybody on earth to ever find out about God knows. God knows. When I was a kid, I used to think that if I hid under a blanket 
or I hid in a closet that God couldn't see me. And I think that's just being kind of playful, but we do that sometimes, I think, as an, as adults, if you think about that. Or sometimes we just flat don't care, which is even a bigger problem. But it says right here in verse 21, for he knows the secrets of the heart. So with these scriptures, we need to ask ourselves now, what are the results of the heart examination? Well, you've heard me use this quite a bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, verse 9. It says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Verse 10 gives us that answer. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Well, there it is. So what are the results? Well, it's not looking good so far. Jeremiah is saying that the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Matthew 15, 18 through 20. So we're going back to the New Testament. So Matthew 15, 18, this is another powerful verse. It says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Jesus is flipping the world of the Pharisees completely upside down. They thought all these physical things were everything. And Jesus says, no, this is, this is all spiritual. Remember, in Ephesians 6.12, our battle is not against the flesh and blood. Okay, Some translations say the struggle, or we wrestle with, but the battle, the struggle, we wrestle not with the things of this world of flesh and blood, but of the spiritual dark forces in high places. Remember that. That is so crucial in our walk with the Lord. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, starting in the first verse. Are you starting to get a little heart sick right now? Uh, because I am, and I'll be honest with you guys. I wrote this study up a long time ago. I really did. And it's been a while since I actually read it. And now that I'm a little bit in it, it's already starting to convict me all over again, which is fun. <laughs> but I told you, I told you, when, when you open up the Bible, you're going to be amazed and you're also going to be convicted. Okay, so starting the first verse. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So, there's a little bit of good news, but we're not there yet. See, if this great serious problem isn't taken care of fast, it will result in something far greater in seriousness than death, and that, my friends, is the wrath of God. So, just to quickly recap what we've talked about so far, we're talking about what is the heart. And we talked about what that meant in the Greek. But we have to ask ourselves this question. What is the condition of our hearts? And then we took a heart examination. And we found out who examines our hearts, and that is God and God alone. Then we found out what the results were. Not that great. It's pretty serious. Are dead in our trespasses. The heart is deceitful and wicked and is desperately sick. So now we need to take the next step. We need to ask the question what are my options? Well, number one, you can just continue living your life, doing what you please. Indulging in the world and what it offers, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If we do those things, it will result in something very serious, which is found in Matthew 7, 23, when Jesus says at the end, in the judgment, he says to people, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And taking that a step further, we will experience the second death, which is found in Revelation chapter 20, verses 13 through 15. Listen to this. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Did you know there was a second death? If you didn't, you know now. So, boy, living on that broad road, the smooth, easy path, living life as if you're on the throne, Indulging in the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Life on earth will seemingly feel great and good. But that's not the life God called you to live. But it will result in Jesus saying, I never knew you. And by knew you, he means intimately. And not only that, we will experience the second death. That is beyond terrifying so what's the second option 
well, we need a heart transplant. And, you know, I looked up the definition of a heart transplant. And the definition is a heart transplant is an operation in which a diseased failing heart is replaced with a healthier donor heart. Now, that's the definition of a physical heart transplant. But today, we are engaging in the spiritual aspects of things. So, I want you to listen to that definition of a physical heart transplant one more time, but I want you to listen with spiritual ears, okay? I want you to listen one more time. So, the definition is, it's it's an operation in which a diseased, failing heart is replaced with a healthier donor heart. Okay. Let that sink in for just a minute. Are you thinking about things spiritually right now? So, the diseased, failing heart that it's talking about, we're going to move that over to spiritual. This is our heart as a result of sin. It's not a matter of if, it's when our hearts will fail. And we just found out in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, we are dead in our trespasses. We, so we're it's failing now. It's already failed. We make great boasts and proclamations, but we consistently fall short. Remember Jeremiah 17, 9. Desperately sick. Our inward inner self isn't just a little bit sick with a little head cold, but it, the Greek word for desperately in Jeremiah 17, 9 is to be weak, woefully sick, incurable. Does that hit us a little bit harder right now? So when you hear that the heart is desperately sick in Jeremiah 17, 9, this is not talking about a little a little cough. We're talking about it's terminal, incurable. That changes the game. The things of this world will not be able to cure the spiritual heart problem. No amount of money, no amount of fame, power, relationships, possessions, etc. will ever be enough to cure us. It may tap into our emotions. It may make us emotionally feel better, but that's not going to cure what's desperately sick on the inside. So the second part of that definition, it since it's disease heart, it leads us to the second point here, needs to be replaced with a healthier donor heart. I want you to listen to Psalm 5110. Psalm 5110. And I know some of you right now are beat up over this. And trust me, when I wrote this, I already beat myself up long before I even present this to you. Now that I get to present it to you now, I'm getting beat up all over again. (laughs) But it's good that these things happen because it brings us to the true reality of our relationship with God. Listen to Psalm 5110. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Verse 11, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. But that verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Can we do that? Absolutely not. Only God can. And now, my brothers and sisters, with all this beaten up stuff, I'm going to give you a chapter in verses that will take us from this brokenness, from this ugly, wretched, vile, deceitful, desperately sick heart into something glorious. Ezekiel. 36, 25 through 28. I want you to listen very, very carefully. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit, capital S, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Verse 28. You will live in the land of that I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people and I will be your God. I mean, wow. Verse 25 says, sprinkle clean water. That means he's going to cleanse us from our sin. Verse 26, God gives us a new heart and a new spirit within us. Now in verse 26, this is very important. When he says he'll give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us, the spirit there is lowercase. That means he's going to revive and give us a new spirit that will be completely focused on obeying him, loving him, and giving us a heart after his own heart. Okay? That's why I said earlier that when I said spirit in verse 27, I said capital S, big difference. That's going to come up soon. This is a heart and spirit that lives for God, has holy and righteous longings, is consumed with glorifying Christ in all things, has a strong desire to be obedient to Christ, is a willing slave to whatever the master wills or commands, has strong desires to know God to seek him, to love him, to be Holy Spirit led and Holy Spirit filled. So at the end of 26, it says he's going to remove the heart of stone. That's the diseased heart. Did you catch that? That's the diseased heart. That's the heart. If that's not removed and replaced by a healthier donor heart, God's heart, we will suffer the wrath of God. 
but praise be to him who gives us a new heart. So he's going to remove that heart of stone. And the heart of stone here is the resistance to God, his attributes, unbelief of him, disobedience. Again, we talked about it several times, but 1 John 2, 16. Living life contrary to his holiness and his holy standards. That's what the heart of stone is. But God doesn't just put the heart of stone aside. He removes it completely, which is a must. Because that's what it means to die to self and be crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 Verse 27, once the heart of stone is removed, God then replaces it with his very own spirit. Now, we're going to pause here for a second, and we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 6 through 16. So God is going to give us not only a renewed new spirit, but he's also going to give us his Holy Spirit. And why this verse is going to make sense here is that the Bible is the living, breathing words of God and that everything connects. It's not, it's not out of order. It's not just random. Everything is here for a specific purpose. And because that he gives us his spirit, this is the results of it. And this is amazing stuff. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 through 16. But a natural man, the man who has the heart of stone, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, capital S, Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, those of us that have a new spirit in God's Holy Spirit within us. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit gives us the mind of Christ that we have holy aspirations, holy desires, righteous longings, that we have an overwhelming desire to live according to the will of God. So this enables us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life worthy of the calling by obedience and understanding spiritual things because we have the mind of Christ. Now, verses 25 through 28, something that is amazing and it stands out to me in big ways. Listen to this. Six times says in the in those three verses, it says I will. God says I will. I will, I will, I will. I will sprinkle clean water. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone. I will put my spirit within you. I will be your God. So God is the one that makes those things happen. Only by the grace and power of God Almighty are we made able to obey, desire God's holiness and righteousness, and also we are made able to seek after him. Because Romans chapter 3 clearly says that there is no one righteous, 
and there is no one who seeks God. God is the seeker. He seeks those who know that they are desperately sick and they cannot save themselves and are crying out for God to save them. And then after he, by his miraculous grace and love and his power, he takes that heart of stone away from us. Remember, he gives us a new spirit. He gives us his spirit and a new heart of flesh that is now able to seek after his own heart. So the next question is, what are we to do with this new heart? Kind of like the aftercare. Well, number one, we need to draw near to God. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 10, 22. Hebrews 10, 22. This is what it says. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The sincere heart is that new heart of flesh that we just talked about in Ezekiel that actively and relentlessly pursues God's own heart. He searches for those who seek after him. That new heart does that. So what else are we to do with this new heart, the aftercare? We need to be obedient. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. How do we show God we love him? We obey him. We obey him. We need to be obedient. Romans 6.16. Romans 6.16 through 18. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So, verse 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death, that is the heart of stone, or of obedience resulting in righteousness. And that is the new heart of flesh, the new spirit, God's Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? We must be obedient. So what else are we to do? The aftercare number three. We need to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says that this is the will of God, your sanctification. So it's God's will for us to be sanctified. Matter of fact, we did a three-part series on sanctification, trust the process, that I would greatly encourage you to check out for more information on sanctification. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that God will sanctify us entirely. In John 17.17, 17, Jesus says, 
sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is the truth and will sanctify us. So that's why it leads us to point number four, which is prioritize God's word. We need to prioritize God's word. We need to read anytime we can. We are free in this country to read the word anytime we want to. Other countries do not have that same privilege. Matter of fact, there are people in prison right now that are memorizing scripture by outside brothers and sisters who are free to bring in scripture written down on paper because the Bible is prohibited and illegal. They write the scripture down on paper so that they can give it to the people in prison so they can memorize it because that's how precious the word is in their hearts. Kind of makes us feel a little bit guilty, doesn't it? It means that we should be actively pursuing all the time God's word. Any chance we get, we ought to be reading it. Now, again, I know that's not always the case, but it should help us to understand that the word needs to be top priority in our lives. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So it increases our faith if we prioritize God's word, because when we're in God's word, it increases our faith. And we must live on it. And like, like it says in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 119, 105, it is a lamp into our feet and a light for our path. Psalm 119, 9, it keeps your way pure. Matthew 7, 24, it's a solid foundation. Hebrews 1, 3, it's powerful and upholds all things. Let's walk through this study one more time. The heart is the effective center. And by effective, with an A. Effective center of our being, our whole entire self, our inner self, our soul. So what is the condition of our hearts? Well, we had to get a heart examination. And we found out that we are the sick that Jesus was talking about. It's not the well who need the doctor, but the sick. And the results? Well, the results are that our heart is deceitful and is desperately sick, incurable. And we know that God is the one who examines our hearts. And that's why we don't like to open up the scriptures, because our hearts get examined by God, and we get convicted. So after we get our heart examination, we need to figure out the results. At the results, we at, what are our options? What, what are we supposed to do? What's our next step to fix this problem? Well, remember, we have option one or two. We continue living our lives, ignoring it, or we get a heart transplant. We get a heart transplant. God gives us a new heart, a new spirit. He, he actually gives us his Holy Spirit, and he removes the heart of stone. And so what do we need to do for aftercare? Well, we just went over them. Number one, we need to draw near to God with a sincere heart. We need to be obedient to his commands. Number three, we need to be sanctified. Number four, we need to prioritize his word. 
And last is that we need to love God with all of our hearts. We have been saved from such a deadly peril. We read about the second death, the lake of fire. If your name is not written in the land's book of life, that is your destination. But praise be to God who sent his son to save us from sin and he gave us his righteousness and holiness so that by grace through faith in him and him alone, we are able to be made pure in God's sight. And that with that, we need to always actively pursue Jesus Christ. We need to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. They're eternal. They endure forever. So we need to prioritize God's word. So before we hit the last and final point of our aftercare, let's go through one through four real fast. So for our aftercare, we need to draw near to God. Two, we need to be obedient. Three, we need to be sanctified. Four, we need to prioritize God's word. And last but certainly not least, we need to love God with all of our hearts. Matthew 22, 36 through 37. Matthew 22, 36 through 37. Says this. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I I added a couple more verses in there because I wanted to add those in there. But we need to love God with all of our hearts. We need to love him. And that's that's a really foreign concept to a lot of people, especially those people that really don't know God from our diseased hearts. And we need to be in the word, in prayer. And last but certainly not least, we need to love God with all that is in us. So I'm going to go ahead and end the show with prayer. If you have any prayer requests, please send them either on our Facebook page or you can email us at livingparablestruth at gmail.com. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for today. Thank you for another day of life and thank you for the study of the heart. Lord, we know that our hearts outside of you are diseased and are of stone. And I thank you, God, for your rich love and mercy and grace that by your Son that we are able to have a new heart of flesh, that we're able to pursue you, to obey you, to be called your children. Thank you for all you do for us, Lord. Be with us as we go throughout our daily lives. Help us to boldly profess your name, to be in the word daily, 
to be in prayer and to pursue you, God, with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul, and all of our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.